A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We have shows coming up in New York City, special event next week, March 3rd, with Springer at the Bell House, and March 18th is our annual Brain Awareness Week show at Littlefield. Also, March 23rd, we'll be in Atlanta. More info at storycollider.org. This week's story is from Aaron Barker. It was recorded in February 2014 at American Junkie in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so my whole life, I was always an underachiever. Um, in high school, I had a stunning 2.5 GPA that I was very proud of. Um, I barely got into college. And um, I liked hanging around people who were serious students, though. Um, I, it made me feel a little bit smarter. Uh, and I would go out with guys. My type was National Merit Scholars. That was what got it going for me. Um, guys who got really good SAT scores. That was what I was into. Um, and they were guys who would, you know, read serious literature and see important films, uh, which they would drag me to for my intellectual betterment. I saw a movie called The Pianist which has a hilarious title, but is not hilarious <laughs> at all, it turns out. Um, one guy dragged me to see uh, Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Oh, I'm sorry to have to tell you guys this, but halfway through, I was like, I was ready to just like tear my own eyeballs out. And in what can only be a miracle from God, the power went out in the theater. <laughs> Obviously, I did something right somewhere along the way. God had mercy on me. So after high school, I kind of started to realize that going out with these guys was not making me feel smarter. It was making me feel dumber and bored, and I wanted to do something else. I wanted to go out with somebody like me. <laughs> I know, it's terrifying, isn't it? Um, so I went to college, my first day of college, I met this person, I met Kurt. And I knew right away that Kurt was different from those guys in high school because first of all, his name was Kurt. I mean, if your first name is Kurt and your last name is not Vonnegut, you're probably not the greatest mind of your generation. <laughs> Let's just be honest. And second of all, we met at a party and it was not like a party where people talk about documentaries and drink wine. It was like a party where people did keg stands and bong beers and stuff like that. And the third sign was that the first story he ever told me was about getting arrested for open container and it being hilarious and awesome and totally worth it. And I was like, this is it. I have met the person I'm supposed to be with. And I knew as I looked into his beautiful hazel eyes that I was never gonna read another book by an author named Jonathan again. <laughs> and I was so happy. It was an amazing time in my life. I saw the movie Dodgeball with no judgment. 
I watched an entire season of Family Guy in one sitting. <laughs> Leave me alone, I was 18. <laughs> I drank so much Natty Light. I ate my weight and Gushers fruit snacks. It was amazing. But after a while, I started to wonder if maybe Kurt was a little bit too much fun. Uh, like one night, I woke up in the middle of the night uh, to a warm and wet feeling. And I realized that Kurt had gotten so drunk that he had wet the bed with me inside of it. So I woke him up, I dragged him out of bed. I was like, Kurt, you have to get up. You have to go back to your room and change clothes. And he was like, well, whatever. So I changed the sheets. He comes back, he's removed his contacts and put on glasses, but he's still wearing his urine-soaked clothes. <laughs> I was like, no, you did the wrong thing, Kurt. You have to go back. <laughs> but even after this, if I had to pinpoint the exact moment when I realized that things were going downhill, it would be the moment when I was just sitting in my room, minding my own business, watching television, and he jumped on me and farted and laughed hysterically. That was the moment when I started to wonder if maybe we were really not the same kind of person. Uh, Kurt had a dream. His dream was to buy a boat and just drift aimlessly on the water doing nothing for the rest of his life, like a character from a Jimmy Buffett song or something. This was his dream. And even though I was an underachiever, I couldn't picture myself on this boat watching Family Guy and being farted on for the rest of my life. It just didn't feel like something that could happen for me. So I decided what Kurt needed was a goal. Not anything like too ambitious or anything, because that wasn't what we did, but just like something to want to be when he grew up that might help him grow up just a little bit, just past the point of farting on people. And then we'd be all set. So I decided Kurt's passion was the environment, because who doesn't love the environment? People love whales, people love rainforests. It's a noble cause. And plus, Curtis loved golfing, and he smoked a lot of pot, and these seemed like characteristics of someone who was really in tune with nature to me. Um, so I suggested this to Kurt, and he good-naturedly agreed with me and switched his major to environmental studies. So his first class that he took for his major um, was a plant biology class, and I decided just to help him get started, I would take it with him because I needed a science class, any science class at all, to graduate with my degree in journalism. And this class sounded like the easiest possible A. It was called Plant Biology 101, Plants and People. <laughs> it doesn't get much easier than a class called Plants and People. Uh, so we go in and we sit in the back together. We're that obnoxious couple that sits together in a college class and um, draws on each other's notebooks and all that stupid shit. And our professor, Glenn Matlack, comes in and he is wearing a red flannel shirt and suspenders and hiking boots and he is carrying an ax. <laughs> and I keep waiting for him to like bring this up at some point during the lecture, but he never does. <laughs> and the next day he comes back and he is wearing the same exact lumberjack outfit never brings it up. The whole semester, he wears this outfit 
never once mentions it in class. And we're so afraid that he might be insane that we don't want to ask him why. We, don't, we aren't even sure, like, are axes allowed on campus? It doesn't seem like a thing that would be allowed. But nobody is going to bring it up to him. And, but once I stopped thinking about the axe, which he just, like, casually lays on the podium while he lectures, um, I start paying attention to him. And he's talking about forest fragmentation, which is a thing that I'd never heard of, and it's kind of blowing my mind that I never have, because... He's talking about how, like, would humans move into the suburbs, forests get fragmented, and this means that animals with large home ranges or, like, the areas that they wander during their lives will wander outside the forest and into human territory where they can be in danger. And then because of forest fragmentation, there's also less interior forest and there's more edges, which means that light and wind are, like, penetrating the forest more and totally changing the conditions of the forest so that it's not habitable for some species of animals and plants and then like forests are more susceptible to like pollution and fire and invasive species and all of this shit and I'm like why does nobody know about this I never knew about this my whole life I thought that living in the suburbs was like you know the, the environmentally friendly thing to do I'm not in the city smogging shit up you know what I mean but I have su I've suddenly realized that, like, despite all of my recycling and my curly light bulbs and my futile vote for John Kerry, <laughs> I am actually fucking up the environment with my shitty suburban lifestyle. And my mind is totally blown by this. And I look over at Kurt to see if his mind is blown, too, but he is either not impressed or stoned or asleep with his eyes open. It's hard to tell which one. So our big project in this class is to get an aerial photo of our hometown from the present day and an aerial photo of our hometown from when we were born and compare the two and map out all the forests and kind of write this paper about how they've changed and fragmented and the effects on the environment. Uh, Kurt decides that it's too much trouble to get the aerial photos and he makes up all of his numbers for statistics. He just pulls numbers out of his ass and he goes back to watching Family Guy. Um, but I get super fucking into it. I'm like mapping shit out with my compass. I'm taking meticulous notes. I'm getting like very concerned about the eastern wood rat. I'm having a lot of feelings. And Kurt comes in to like offer me some more gushers. And I'm like, Kurt, I love you, but I do not have time for you right now. I'm way too worried about the timber rattlesnake. You're going to have to take it out of here. And I work harder on this project than I have ever worked on anything in school. It's crazy. And then when we get our papers back in class, our professor, Glenn Matlack, has scrawled across the front of my paper in red ink, you have a future in this. And I'm stunned. Nobody has ever told me I have a future in anything, much less fucking plant biology of all things. <laughs> And then Kurt, the one who is supposed to have a future in this, by the way, has a D. <laughs> and he looks at our papers and he's like, well, I guess the D is probably not that bad since I made all of it up. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that is probably true. Um, Glenn Matlack was wrong. I did not have a future in plant biology. 
Although, as a journalist, I did write a bunch of articles about the logging industry in southeastern Ohio, which resulted in my most badass moment in my short career as a journalist, which was getting yelled at by some guy from a logging company who hung up on me. It's the ultimate thing as a journalist to get hung up on. Um, but I also did not have a future with Kurt though I would not realize it right away, and he would eventually realize it before I did. Um, it turned out I had learned from this project that I had it in me to work hard, and I wasn't meant to drift aimlessly. And I shouldn't have tried to foist a passion onto Kurt in any case. If he was going to find one, he was going to find it on his own. And if his passion was drifting around the Atlantic on a boat, there are worse passions to have. So the last day of... Uh, Plant Biology 101, Plants and People. I got up the courage to go up to Glenn Matlack and ask him why he dressed as a lumberjack every fucking day of class. And he looked at me and he kind of laughed and he goes, I was just fucking with you guys. <laughs> and he walked away swinging his axe into the sunset. Thanks, guys. That was Aaron Barker. Aaron is senior producer of The Story Collider and a host of its live show in New York. She is the first woman to win the Moth's Grand Slam storytelling competition twice and has appeared in its main stage and shows in cities across the country, as well as on its Peabody award-winning show on PRX, The Moth Radio Hour. One of her stories was included in The Moth's New York Times best-selling book, The Moth, 50 True Stories. She considers herself a Gryffindor. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Elena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to American Junkie for hosting the show, and to Plants for being relevant to people. Or the other way around. Something. Thanks for listening. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.